assail me constantly. As I've said, sounds of any degree whatsoever inspire me with terror. That's why your servant asked me to remove my boots. Yes. And even so, I could hear you coming. Every footstep, every rustle of your clothes, I could hear your horse approaching. Hear the clatter of its hooves across the courtyard, your knock. The grating of the door bolt was like a sword stroke to my ears. I can hear the scratch of rat claws within the stone wall. a while to get used to, to that old-fashioned style i'm i'm have recorded now yeah the it's um i was reminded that i i think i still prefer poe as a poet unless i'm a prose writer i don't know if that style is like archaic or, or posh like i don't know what my exact issue with it is mm-hmm. i got used to it it is kind of in the middle when you get the poetry section, you're like, ah, this is the, the musicality that I, that, I, that I like to see. This is what I dig, yeah. Like a book within a book. On, on that note about like whether the old-timey or uh, purple style to, to the prose, I think it did, it did that thing. I don't remember what the previous thing that we read was. That was like, why are you walking me all around the room to get to the other side and we could have gone in a straight line. <laughs> I swear we we saw this in another story where Madeline shows up. Like, they just talk about, like, the lady of the uh, of the House of Usher or something and then it goes, Madeline, for that was her name, we did this and, like, walked across the room. Where, where did we see that before? Was it, like, Eichmann or something? Maybe, but I feel like... It, yeah, I guess, because, like, what's the other... What's the oldest thing we've read besides... Um, Hold on, let me pull up that document. I Have No Mouth, Nicholas, King in Yellow. That was King in Yellow, 10 Days in a Madhouse. We did... Couldn't have been Uncle Vanya. Ah, maybe it was... Maybe it was just something else I was reading. It's just something that... It, it happens, just take my word for it. It happens where they won't just say someone's name. They'll like be like, just so you don't get confused, this is who I'm talking about when I use this name. Well, I, I did get confused. Oh, okay. And then he said, "For that was her name." And you go, "Oh, okay, okay." Well, I I was confused if she was alive or dead or what. Because <laughs> I mean, when, when when she's introduced, I thought she was introduced as being deceased. Not not that she will be deceased in the future. And that's that. I don't know. That's where the comments got me. There was something casual, like because when she's introduced walking around, um, the narrator's already kind of talking about her in the past tense. That's so because of the way that it's written. Also, like the narrator, this is like a, a memory that he had of this crazy summer. Yeah. But it's true. There's something. Uh, so he's already like talking about her. Like either way, like even if she's not dead, like when she even if she's walking around, it's like. She's not long for this world. I don't know if you can hear that. It's actually kind of raining and thundering outside for me. No, I can't. That's awesome, though. That fits. But, uh, yeah, when when he sees her, he's like... he When he's, when he's like, hanging out with Mr. Usher, and she walks through and he describes, like, her, her wretched state, he's like, and I was pretty sure that's the last time I ever would have seen her. He turned out yeah. to be wrong, but I guess, like, her... Just her very character is, like, on that... <laughs> On that, on line. that cusp, yeah. I, I, what, what's his name? I think it's Roderick Usher, right? Roderick, yeah. And Madeline, for that was her name, was his sister. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a that was a great read. Do you wanna? It's been a while since we've done just a story with a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, that's true. I guess we should um, just kind of hit up that order for our listeners. Right. The, now, the beginning. Um, the beginning was very cool. Yeah. Where, where, uh, did the narrator ever name himself or themselves? Mm, let me just skim here. I don't think so. Oh, you know what? Let me just. I'm, I think actually he's just the narrator. Hold on. 
It doesn't matter. These ushers are so all up in their own business that I bet they don't even remember what that guy's name is. They're, they're kind of... Um, I guess today they'd be very hillbilly-esque, wouldn't they? Or um, I'm, picturing, <laughs> I'm, actually picturing, I'm picturing like Adam's family or something. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just some old, old family. Um, yeah, it's like completely isolated from the rest of the world. Oh, like, 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 uh, like what we do in the shadows. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that that is the Usher family, <laughs> straight up. Now that's probably where a lot of these, um, uh, like legends of, of, you know, like I when I picture a vampire, I usually picture like some kind of decadent, you know, uh, an aristocratic figure. Who's like so above and detached from the rest of humanity in a way that like i can see how like you know like these legends can can emerge from old dilapidated castles oh definitely for sure well it starts out that way too uh, of of like i think you were mentioning this in, in the context of of new types how like space and, and these objects are space are having like this telepathic emotional influence oh <laughs> Oh, in the castle, they're unbounded by the gravity of day-to-day life. <laughs> yeah, there's more to this than we... They're unbound. Damn, that's... <laughs> I don't know, I, I thought that intro was well described, too, of, of like, pa- passing through that, like, old abandoned castle space, and, and it, it just gives you the, the eebie-jeebies or whatever. The creeps. Yeah. I don't know if they've read already The Fall of the House, but also, uh, this is uh, welcome, uh, welcome to Pleasant Evening's Book Club. My name's Roberto. This is Corbin. We read things. Mostly been watching Gundam lately, but we read things too. Uh, welcome. Uh, yeah, just to set the tone, right? Like, the 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 story starts with the narrator, like, receiving a letter from, from an old friend to come visit him at his castle. Right, and like, so we start with him like approaching the castle from the distance. It's like classic, like, um, like universal horror thing of just like seeing it from a distance and being beset by like the, the shadow, like the mood this thing casts. And it's just like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta go there. <laughs> this is classic stuff. Uh, I, I love it. It's classic for a reason too. I, I, um, I have a personal experience of driving through like the old hills, mountains of Ohio on my way to West Virginia. And, you know, I, I felt the very earth was kind of cursed where I was driving through. It just felt scarred. And there was like an old dilapidated house shed oh, thing. And it's, um, I feel like an old pickup truck was kind of behind me too. And I, I didn't, I didn't feel really good driving there. And, <laughs> Even the public signage, you know, like, like the, you know, there's a sign of the town you're driving through. Mm-hmm. The name, the name of the town was Get Out. <laughs> That's. <laughs> there's fog and and you know, trying to old dilapidated shit. I'm like, oh fuck, there there was like serial killers or some crazy <laughs> shit going on. Drive, yeah, drive more. There's like a clearing and it's foggy, and there's like this lone old tree that they probably hung people from back then. <laughs> like just brutal shit. Right. And it's it's really cool when like there you have like the. I mean, this is perfect House of Usher stuff. Like usually in a movie, you know, like even in like Dracula, like in the Todd Browning Dracula, you go up, the castle is spooky, and that's just sort of. There's no reason for it to be scoop spooky except for setting the tone here it is about the confluence of of uh aspects that create a gloom and like that's the main you know there is no dracula it's just the horror the 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 inherent hauntedness of an area every every piece of that uh that lands the castle itself like, like just just every single piece of that puzzle fit perfectly to create that vibe Right, and you're saying like it was like it got like if it gets foggy at night, suddenly that's it's another character in the. It's dark enough too, but still not a star in the sky. And uh, it's so cool, like how ahead of everything this. I mean, uh, or I guess like how perennial, how how this type of appreciation goes, and how even that is subverted in the beginning of this story 
because he's saying, um, I'm gonna try to find the quote actually. Um, he's talking about like how as approaching the the castle, he's going for he like just seeing the reflection in the in the tarn. Tar. New word for me. Love love it. There is something where he says, uh, it's scary in a way. Oh, here it is. It's like the very beginning. Uh, the first glimpse of the built. Okay, uh, hold on. As the shades of the evening drew on, within view of the melancholy house of Usher, I know not how it was, but sorry. Uh, this these sent these long sentences. I they run. Uh... I don't know how it was, but with the first glimpse of the building, a sense of insufferable gloom pervaded my spirit. I say insufferable, for the feeling was unrelieved by any of that half pleasurable because poetic sentiment with which the mind usually receives even the sternest natural images of the desolate or terrible. So I don't know. That thing is really cool because it anticipates like why we go to horror stories too. Is that there's something kind of beautiful or just alluring about just about these uh the scenes. Something capturing about it. Like you know, and um, like sometimes it. You know, I'm like reading this like book in the comfort of my own home. I, I don't know if I was ever like spooked. I think that was also like if I was reading it like by candlelight by myself different story like i did come out of it mostly admiring like the beauty of how poe rendered this stuff and i don't know like his his narrative touch like there's no monster exactly the thing that is scary or other about what's happening keeps changing so it's not like you like you have a a sense of like what to anticipate except in the the most immediate future but still like even just saying that at least like lets you understand the fear that the characters are experiencing. I, I think it, it brought up a very good uh, question in, in how it was constructing its horror element. Where is it the people that are terrifying, or is it you know truly that this mansion is terrifying? Yeah, and I guess to 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 do both because it has some like the once you get in and meet the ushers, like it's scary and. Again, this preamble does so much work. It even sets up the crack in the wall. Like, I, I didn't even... That's just, like, a detail. Like, of course, if you see ca- an old castle, you're going to see, uh, you know, old stones and imperfections in the stones. Fungus within those stones. Right. And even that comes back later when... Uh, it's so cool. Like, this, it's so tight. Like, even for all the languid purple prose or whatever, right? Like, every, it all comes together because it, uh, it's all about the way that these things affect us like that's the only thing that's at a constant in in the story um shoot what were uh what were we saying what were we talking about uh <laughs> oh, just just the the beginning still so the narrator is making his journey to his boyhood friend's mansion after receiving yeah. a letter yeah so as he's going he's talking about how scary the place is the sort of uh a mood it gives off and a sort of background for this character he was somewhat close to him but he was always like reserved this family is not just secluded but in some kind of decline like the uh roderick usher is called is sending for him because he's sick he's got like uh like he's under like ex- like a lot of mental anguish and physical discomfort I think MS is mentioned. I'm not sure if that was multiple sclerosis, but... And he's talking about the family. Like, he's saying, like, how the the house of Usher and the family, the Ushers, are, like, indistinguishable to the people in the surrounding area. They're, like, one thing, because they, they hardly ever leave. There are no, like, the Ushers have no notable cousins. Like, the, the family tree has been... There, there's no a... solid branch. Yeah. And, like, they're only, like, a... Um... One of, their, one of their only things that they pursue is like this musical science, like like this uh, exploration of music that is beyond uh, the needs or the of of like pleasurable listening. Like they seem to just be chasing like <laughs> I don't like alchemy about the alchemy of sound. Yeah, and then we see like how that like contributes to the character, like how how that manifests in this uh uh in the house of usher when they are in such like de- de- decline was there any other all right that's the that's the preamble right that he gives do you know, like any other like things you want to touch on for move on to the inside of the house no let's let's continue on into into the house of usher itself 
So I think he's introduced, like, it's so weird how, like, you're introduced, like, first they're servants, let them in. Of course they're gonna have servants. It's, I, it, if I had a castle and it didn't have servants, I would pop a vessel. I'd be so pissed off if I didn't have servants in my castle. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have servants. Yeah. I was thinking, if I had a castle, that's so many rooms to clean. Like, spring cleaning, like, dusting, everything would be a months-long project. Maybe I'm picturing this castle too big, but... I mean, that's that's a real nightmare there, is cleaning all those rooms without staff. Right, and this thing goes back to, like, the Middle Ages. Also, like, that's another thing. Um, I wish this could have been research. I did. I'm, I'm assuming this, like, in France. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a fair assumption. Actually, I, I, I thought it was someplace in uh, Baltimore or whatever. Yeah, I was, I was thinking Baltimore at first, but then... Um, when they bury Madeline, it's like in a crypt that he said it went back to medieval times, or it's like you know this is so far down the like the romanticist sort of uh, dreaminess that it imagines a uh, European medieval past for for Baltimore. Yeah, I, I mean they they've moved castles too. So it's an inspiration of the story may have been based upon the events of Ezekiel Usher House, which was located on the Usher Estate, that is now. A three block, three block area in downtown Minor, Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> well, Damn. how do you know that? How can you say that? It's uncorroborated. Well, you know, to 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 your point, like during this era of okay, so like 1830s or whatever, like it's it's like a, you know America has a shit ton of old stone structures that are ancient at that point. Like, yeah, America's like 60 years old at that point. Like what we know is, America. I mean, unless we're talking about like some Native American structures, I mean, but yeah, I don't think the ushers were were that. No, <laughs> I think your your idea that this is occurring somewhere in in France or uh, the the Highlands of Scotland somewhere is probably I think I think the safest. I mean the you know the 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 truest answer is that this exists in some sort of you know. This just exists within the pages of the book. This is just sort of like, imagine a place that has castles. That's where it is. I think I was primed for France because it started out with that, um, in a very King and Yellow-esque move, it starts out with uh, with some French quote. I, I had to look up what the translation was, and I... I, uh... I forgot already. It was something about, like, um, the, uh, something about a loot, right? About the, the loot, the loot of the heart or whatever. Loots and fire of the heart. And also, and I think, I could be wrong about this, uh, but I think also in the King in Yellow-esque move, that quote isn't from anything. Like, it was made up by by Poe. <laughs> no, it, it is. It is from something. Oh, no, yeah, I'm finding it here. Wow, this Wikipedia's got everything. Quotes to LaRoof? LaRoofu? I don't know how to say that. LaRoofus. His heart is suspended, wooed, as soon as it is touched, it resounds. Okay, so that's real. Is the um the story of Ethelred r- real? Uh, they're not listening to it as, as a illusion. So the guy, Belfagor of Machiavelli, a tale involving demonic possession. Cool. Emmanuel Sick. Swedenborg's Heaven and Hell, a book about divine visions and afterlife. Directorium Inquisitorum. Was of historical forbidden works. Ooh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna click on this one. Later. <laughs> I've been reading quite a bit about the Bornless ritual as of late from the ancient Greek papyri. The what ritual? The Bornless one. So so the, the Western uh-huh. occult is is very interested in the ultimate goal being knowledge, awareness, and companionship with your HGA, your okay. your, uh, your your holy guardian angel. Holy guardian angel. They didn't have those in Greek times. Uh, in, in Greek times, Roman times, it, it'd be referred to as the genius, genius. which is like your which is like your household... Uh, like a protective spirit? Yeah, it's like your household god. I didn't know there was like such a, there was like such a personalized thing there. I didn't know you, you have a house, you got, you got a corresponding. That's interesting. But now it's like more personal. Uh, now each person has one in the in the in the modern occult. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Lore conception. Occult paradigm. 
I think paradigm. paradigm. Yeah, that's good. So you're so like, what's the um, what was the ritual then? Like, is that just like for like strengthening the bond or something? Or it's it's informing that bond, and it's informing that bond that you are able to pursue other other works and more safely invoke and do you, you know like like demon work being completely protected. Oh, okay. Um, I'm trying not to uh, just because I'm from outside of it. I'm trying not to be too to glib about it. It's like it's like getting a little like demon uh, vaccine so you can see you're more immune to other demons. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Oh, I I love all this no nomenclature. Is, yeah, is really cool. It's cool. It's fun. I mean, I mean, Crowley kind of really took over his own thing. But I just found a PDF of of the. Greek papyri. It was translated way before him, so. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Sorry, we're we're mega derailing now. <laughs> right. Uh, but you know who could have used one of those is probably the ushers, whose house was full of all kinds of demons. Miasma, yeah. <laughs> miasma. I love that word, miasma. Yeah, like people use it now just to mean vibes, but. It was a lot more literal back then. Yeah, it, like like, was it like sickness in the air? Right, like they just yeah, they just like this idea that like evil or or you know like sick yeah sickness badness like just like clung to to the air like emanated from dead bodies and places where bad things happened. Not uh, too oh. far off. I I don't I don't think a little closer than than other other theories back then. Sorry, I think the one doctor that came up with the idea to wash your hands ended up being locked <laughs> up in the in a insane asylum. Why are they so against it? <laughs> like, you, you want you want us to wash every time? Hell no! You're you're just, crazy. I just uh, just a description of my asthma to get us back on track. Uh, I had so worked upon my imagination as really to believe that about the whole mansion and domain there hung an atmosphere peculiar to themselves and their immediate immediate vicinity. An atmosphere which had no affinity with the air of heaven, but which had reeked up from the decayed trees and the gray wall and the silent tarn. A pestilence and mystic vapor, dull, sluggish, faintly discernible, and leaden-hued. That's beautiful. Yeah, like all this stuff. Like honestly, like the best the best version of this podcast would be to just read this whole thing out loud. With the background music going on. Yeah. <laughs> some of this uh some of this rainstorm. Your clash of a shield, wood on your door coming down. That was a neat episode. I wasn't expecting to like have that be one of the set pieces. The when they're reading the the story and the sound effects, like reify. Yeah, that was, um, that was very well done. What if you had grabbed a different book? <laughs> <laughs> I I, I like, think I. He would have tied it to some other sound going on, and it, it, it still would have re- reverb. All right, like what if it had been another book? It's like, a, like um, I don't know, some kind of like Looney Tunes thing. Yeah, that sound that they make when they're running. Yeah. <laughs> the Roadrunner uh, gave a gave a terrifying beep beep. Oh. <laughs> but of course, like, of course, this is everything. Everything. Uh, contributes to the totality. There was no chance for him to pick up anything else. I guess it was the only book in the room. The yeah, the way that uh, like, I, it's so cool the way everything like uh, um, like why is that book even there? He describes it like not even like something that would have been of interest to to Roderick. And they'd been in that in that house. He'd been in the house for days already. It kind of reminds me of in the mask. Um, going back to King in Yellow and the Mask, how uh, when he finds that book, he's like, I don't even know why this book is here. I just like leaf through it because it happened to be there. Books books have a way of uh, <laughs> popping up, don't they? That's true. Sometimes they just catch you at the right time. All right, yeah, but let's get back to, like, we can, we'll probably touch on that as we go through again. Roderick is uh, an interesting character, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's the next thing. We can just, like, get into Roderick. Like, it doesn't have to be... Can, I don't know what like to his... say about him other than there's some some contradictions to to him where where he was where I don't know he he was like sickly but still 
still spirited or, or not not quite not quite beat yet yeah i think like they um where that uh uh dichotomy like is uh dramatized or put into words a lot is that he looks horrible like his hair is a mess and also thin like it's grown out but very thin and brittle looking like his like posture and gait is like weak but then behind his eyes is so much passion a lot of it motivated by fear which like we get to is like what seems to be like his main thing like his disease isn't just you know whatever like some some nervous affliction but he says it's a disease that's been affecting his family for generations that it comes from the house and he attributes it like he says like fear like in capital letters right yeah yeah he looks all weak but then when like he hugs him it's like with this like like desperate passion and his eyes like have a spark that then goes away when when madeline dies but like part of the part of what's um how this affliction manifests itself it's also like there's a sort of like something about the house also like limits his horizons like he can't like he doesn't want to like like what is it like there's a there's like an aversion to like tastes or to most most sounds but like um it to do like a real world thing it reminds me of how people who um get rabies become like hydrophobic yeah yeah and it's like uh like i don't know if like it helps it have it helps rabies but like you know they're becoming capable of like swallowing water oh here we are uh he suffered much from a morbid acuteness of the senses the most insipid food was alone endurable he could wear only garments of certain texture the odors of all flowers were oppressive his eyes were tortured by even a faint light and they were but peculiar sounds and these from stringed instruments which did not inspire with him that, that in, did not inspire him with horror which seems like you know if it is the uh the um the gestalt of the house and the lake and the fungi and the trees all collaborating to have this effect on him like if we imagine like any kind of um agents don't have to be agency but like any kind of like a uh, uh, goal to to the house like it seems like it'd be perfect like this is perfect to keep someone inside of that house yeah just just get them in a state where they really don't want to leave and then like it's interesting that the family has been has been uh studying has been afflicted like it's not just him like it's been his whole family in this like very narrow family tree and his, his sister assumably his mother and father right like who knows how far back it goes and and I'm let me know if I'm like jumping ahead too much. Like I'll just drop this and we can um go back to other details about Roderick and Madeline. Um, but just like while we're on this thing about the senses, I think you know I'm I'm putting on. I don't want to make it too much of like a of a plotty thing. I think it's just like in the way that everything ties together. You know, I find it interesting. Like speaking of paradox, or like speaking of like how like contradictory his description is. Like he's very limited in like what he can do, um, with sound, but like. So I assume, like, let's say his father also has it, and they've all been doing this unorthodox musical discovery. So I was like, now I'm thinking, you know, like, okay, so like maybe that's because they've, they're all similarly sensitive to sound. And he's playing this music, and it's not a, it's, and it's, but while they're there, and in, in the house, because they're spending like weeks there, it seems like, the narrator's with uh, Roderick, and he, and Roderick is like playing. Uh, guitar for him and it's like these like curious compositions that sometimes just crystallize and become like this these you know beautiful like fully formed things and he'll improvise song over it it's like if he wasn't you know existing in his particular sensitivity i'm sure he'd write other songs but like it, it seems even more uh apt that it comes out of improvisation, like this pure, unmediated expression of where he's at. And when we do get, like, the words that he's improvising, it's like this, you know, beautiful Poe-esque um, poem, you know, with all of the rhyme and musicality. It doesn't seem, you know, it feels like, like a fully foreign, perfect little poem about what else but an old castle 
and like the king that oversaw it as it as it as it fell yeah also in a king in yellow-esque moment uh i'll stop with that comparison that's in the king in yellow-esque moment like curious uh, uh emphasis on on uh yellow fabrics why those a fascination with yellow fabrics and entombment and the the fall right. the fall of the king also right right the difference is that king in yellow is it's interesting because it's like this like weird paperback that's just sort of like calling back to some old thing you know this is like a hundred years after poe a little less uh and this story is someone who's got like direct lineage to some kind of weird past that you know the king in yellow book within a book is um uh invoking you know then we see it again with um with madeline being buried in a crypt that is a part of the castle that had been used since the Middle Ages, who then gets like brought back, you know, in this combination of the storm and them reading the story of a knight going into a castle. Like, there's like a haunted nostalgia about like the, these medieval times, about these old families. Um, but yeah, but like the king in yellow, like the king of Carcosa or whatever, like he's described as wearing like tattered rags and, and, where like the the decay is simply like a, a an already established element of like who this is like someone who looks over ruins whereas the fall of the house of usher is a lot more you know it, it's depicting the fall the fall of the king in yellow yeah if we were at the fall of carcosa that'd be a i'm sure someone's tried to do that fan fiction <laughs> fall of carcosa let's let's google that let's see what happens <laughs> i mean it is in the public domain now so you can do it there's a very cool de- depiction of a fall, though, I, I will say. Do you want to go back to the uh, to, oh, to the narrative, or? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's continue on. We're, we're nearly done going to the narrative. I think. I, I mean, there, there's not there's not a ton that goes on, so. We meet Rydrick, the paradox of, of a man. Mm. We very briefly meet Madeline before she dies. Right, and when she dies, I guess I talked about it earlier, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember if I, or if I got sidetracked, but like, she, there isn't even a scene where she dies. That's just like a preamble for whatever other scene that, uh, the narrator's getting to. It's like, when she passed away, Roderick was different. She was already pretty ghost-like, though. I, I had yeah. thoughts during that first appearance, like not much of a character. As even later on, she wasn't much of a of a character either. Uh, I'll we can I'll I won't derail this. Actually, last night I watched like the um, the nineteen twenty eight uh, silent movie adaptation of Fall of the House of Usher. Oh, I didn't realize they had that. It's pretty cool. It's a little surrealistic. Like, the director uh, was part of the, you know, it's from the 20s, so it's, like, during the era of surrealism with a capital S, and the director was, uh, forgive that I don't remember his name, I think Epstein, something, I don't remember. Yeah, like he was wow. part of that school. Like, this movie's, like, completely just vibes. Like, it's a kind of a different story, but it's, um, apparently, um, uh, Luis Buñuel was uh, a an assistant to him during the making of this movie. That's cool. Um, but yeah, in the silent movie version, uh, Madeline's a little bit more of a character um, where Roderick Usher is like obsessed with like painting her. And that every time he like paints her in a little bit more detail, she gets weaker, but the painting is more full of life. And like the way they depict it in the movie is that sometimes we'll have like a, a painting that he paints onto and sometimes it's like the actor standing behind the frame. And because the movie's so old and the lighting is so, you know, so dark and stuff, it's kind of sometimes hard to tell which it is that you're looking at. Well, I'm going to I'm going to check that out then. Yeah, it's cool. Like Dorian Gray. Mhm. 
Yeah, it does its own kind of thing. Like Dorian Gray's got like this like moralistic thing about it. Where this one I think is pretty close to like it's obviously different from the story that we read, but it's pretty close in the way that it ties like to the way that like the aesthetic powers of a scene or the depiction of a scene can just in themselves change what it is you're looking at. Like we see that with um with that when they're reading when he's reading the Ethelred story and the sounds become real. You know, I would say even we see it with the Tarn and how the first thing that that is um brought up about the house of Usher, the you know, the, the castle, the place, is its reflection in the lake. So first we're we're given the image of the lake. I'm sorry, of the house. But in a way that's like naturally occurring. And like the way it's constructed too, it's like the the house goes right into the lake as like the way it's described. So it's like image, 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 you know, house, which is like this like one border in between. And then at the end, of course, when the house falls. Yeah. It right, it gets swallowed up by the lake too. Such amazing imagery. Yeah, like, what a cool, like, uh, Poe really is one of the great, it's so cool that, like, for, the, like, uh, maybe it's better for, uh, for an outro, but whatever, like, it's so cool how, like, I mean, we were talking with Hannah earlier, and, she, like, she had a big uh, Poe po phase, phase when she was younger, like, I, I'm sure, like, I know, like, I did in middle school, like, I, you know, I think it started when I saw the, the Simpsons, Treehouse of Horror, do the Raven, and the, you know, then I went off to like read the every you know what I could, what I could find of him. Also, like anything, I I love anything with Raven imagery, <laughs> right? And one that like it just like is so so effective with it, like does so much with it. Where it's not just about like what can the Raven represent, but like how freaky it is it to see a Raven and how the Raven see you. It's staying power for sure. It's something that is so neat. Like like Paul is so accessible. Like. Like when you were when you first encountered the Raven, like uh, how old did you have been? Like young, 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 young for sure. Like maybe nine or or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a maybe a little precocious, but still like it's, it's, it's an exaggeration. I don't you know I don't quite have memories exactly to when. No, but it, like it's apt. Like I believe it, especially you know. Um, I think it speaks to like uh, Poe. Like he's so accessible that he's often assigned reading in middle school but like i agree visiting it now like it's still like no it's the reason why he's so revered and beloved is like you know it's a shame like he died like he uh, like he wasn't a preacher in his time but like it it hits in a way that like you know like uh nowadays and i remember just giving myself away as not so not so intelligent but I feel like for your average person, you need you need Shakespeare explained to you. Like Shakespeare doesn't no, immediately for, for, for sure. Shakespeare sucks. <laughs> right, but then like you look at, but then like sometimes like someone will pull out a, a line, you know, like uh, I was reading on a Shakespeare quote earlier. Like it came up in a, some video game I was playing. Some some quote about death, about returning to the worms in Richard II. Like, damn, that's. That hits hard. It's like, oh, that's Shakespeare. Personally, I I, I like Macbeth quite a bit. Mm. So, like, yeah, it can hit, but like, I feel like you have to come to it. Edgar Allan Poe, I think, has the power. Like, it's simple enough that it can, it can find you. But the effect is not diminished with time. Like, I going into into this, like, again, I guess speaking to my my limited horizons. But I was like, yeah, I like Poe when I was in middle school. Let's see how how it is and. I'm right back in it. Like he's a, just a good writer. He is, maybe, maybe a better poet, mm-hmm. but definitely a good writer. I mean, I'm I'm not not to knock the story as a whole. It's, it's great. Again, I, I think I think some some of his word choices are are clunky. Uh, co co location. This kind of it's kind of a weird word. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not familiar enough with the with the literary context. I don't know how much of it is him being like a a sort of a weeb for our European Gothic past. I mean that that's that's fair. I guess you have to recognize that that it is what two hundred years old at this point. Right, and there's a there's a nostalgia, you know, Annabelle Lee and the Kingdom by the Sea. Like there's a there's a uh, uh, an ongoing sort of uh, romantic fascination with the past, with the like, fallen kingdoms, and 
It's also like a, it's the romantic context of like how can I, how can get the most juice out of this sentence? Like how how long and how and how eloquently expressed can I make this one sentence? That's that's what it is. He's 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 going for eloquence. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that definitely that kind of musicality, especially now, um, is more welcome in a poem where where it's all about like what twists and turns like a sentence can take. That's true. You definitely have to remember the context that we're we are in now for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like I know that uh, uh, Lovecraft tries to do the same thing, and that's like seeing like a negative where I struggle. I struggle with Lovecraft. <laughs> we'll have so, to add that to the list. See what uh, which one we do. I'm I'm curious about uh, which one is it? I know my favorite one that I've read is probably Color Out of Space. That's probably what most people will say is like a good intro story for him. I'm curious about Whisper in Darkness. Oh, I haven't read this one. I was curious about it. I, I like the fact that there's like harder science fiction involved with it. Maybe we can add that one to the list. I mean, we got to touch like we've been doing so much like Lovecrafty stuff since the beginning of this show that it feels it only feels right to. I think I think we've been pretty ingrained in in reading um, weird fiction. Yeah, even this I would say like qualifies. I think so. It 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 definitely fits. Like it's all about like the very edges of, like, <laughs> the very edges of like human rationality, like madness becoming a force itself. So I mean, so I I do I do really enjoy the uh, Usher's argument about the sen the sentience of uh of all vegetable things. Oh yeah. That felt like, especially with when, when we got the fungi involved, like the fungi's gotta be the most Lovecraftian yeah. uh, kingdom in, in this, biology. This was, this was my favorite. The belief, however, was connected as I have previously hinted with the gray stones of the home of his forefathers. The conditions of the sentience had been here, he imagined, fulfilled in the method of collocation of these stones and in the order of their arrangement, as well as in that the many fungi which overspread them and of the decayed trees that stood around. That's so neat. Like, the idea that, like, the castle like, has, a, has a mind of its own, or, you know, mind is a little too human, but, you know, has a thrust, a life thrust of its own. That, that fungi... Mm -hmm. um explanation is really i thought it was very cool and, and rather ahead of its time yeah and like it's cool that it's not just the fungi it's not even just like the fungi is using the castle he's saying like the castle itself in conjunction with the fungi and it's neat how like that comes like first like it's described as a superstition that the narrator had when he was just like approaching the castle that it just like oh yeah all together has a strange effect and then roderick is like talking about this thing that's probably been cooking like since he was a child. This like yeah, and this like pseudo biological kind of thing. Like, I don't even know if it's like biological or metaphysical. Both. I mean, yeah, both. I, I want to go down this fungi rabbit hole for a second. I, I mean, like the the Last of Us uses it with cordyceps. Yeah. Um, some pseudoscience like Terrence McKenna used it a lot. Uh, kind of a a, a plug to actually. I'm thinking of an, um, did you watch the Annihilation movie? No, I haven't. It's on Netflix now, if you want to got add it to Netflix recently. The book is really cool, too. But there's a lot of, like, that one, I guess, like, Annihilation, like, the, the book. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know the movie. Like, the, the book is, like, uh, you know, slotted into, like, the new weird movement, whatever that is. But it has, like, it, it touches on all these themes without, like, breaking out of the the natural like it just like reminds you of like the weird ickiness of bio of our biological reality, of the uh, sort of a uh, uh, porousness of our sense of self when you take into account gene mutation and and like and fungi is like a like is like a recurring like visual motif and in Annihilation there's this beautiful like I don't even want to spoil there's like something involving fungi in the movie Annihilation that's really cool. I'll watch it for sure. I'll check that shit out. Have you seen The Last of Us or played it at all? Yeah, I played the game. That was one of the... I think it came with my PlayStation 4 when I got it. It's a perfect vehicle for that kind of zombie thing. It, it creates a cool alien look. And it's also... Because of the way that... Um, you know, like... The way that fungi can, like, reproduce with spores. 
it's so perfect for this idea of like this thing in the air clings to the walls. It's you know, it, it's just like this incessant growth. It made it made it for a really cool excuse to make everything all colorful too. Mm-hmm. Where the, the the walls had this neat like fly algaric uh, effect to them. It's also so tied to uh, to the weird stuff in that like like fungi itself. There's so much variability and like how they like in real life. There's so much variability to like our relationship to them. They can be medicinal or poisonous or food or hallucinogenic. Like there's so much variability. They kind of look like plants, but they definitely aren't. They uh, they consume, so they look a sign of decay mm-hmm. too. Right, they're essential too. Yeah, they show up around dead bodies and shit. But they also like, uh, they also can help plants thrive. Like, there's some fungi that get attached to like the roots of trees and then connect to other trees, and then through the fungi, the trees can like share nutrients and create like a yeah, like no, a broader like, system. Like an entire an entire forest are are like primitive worldwide networks. Right, like facilitated through fungi. Like, it's so well, that just that just happened, right? There's no mind to it. So, like, if there was ever a type of life form to incorporate a castle into its whatever life cycle or, or uh, mode of being, yeah, fungi is so good for that stuff. I I really don't know enough about the context of that era at that point to know how far they were in biology. Right. Yeah. For all I know, they still called them plants. Like, right. Like, I, I don't know if Poe's aware of how appropriate of a choice like that, mm-hmm. that is. Right. And like, you've seen like a fairy rings, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's also like just something that just sort of happens naturally just from the way that mushrooms, certain mushrooms can like consume nutrients and then spread out. They form a circle, and then, of course, like when it, when you see something growing in a perfect circle, you go, okay, something, something's going on here. And fairy is like that's got to be like one of the, you know, one of the capital W W weirdest cryptids or whatever you want to call it. Of course, cryptids. I I, I like. They're kind of human, but not human adjacent. Like all that stuff, like changeling stuff, is so or like getting spirited away by fairies. It, it's so creepy. Let's add, I don't know what, but let's add some mushroom. Let's add mushroom stuff to the docket of, like, things to cover. Hell yeah. Let's go for it, for sure. I don't know what yet. <laughs> All right. Join us next week where we discuss uh, new Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo Wii. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, before we move on, let's go. Okay, let's get back to, uh, to House of Usher. We're so close. We're so close. <laughs> We, we we are I, I just I just I just had to talk about mushroom after I, that. I welcome it. Yeah, like how could we not? Oh, but to go back to the story, like another um capital I mean the the most like um not even just a, a capital W weird thing in the story, but the most um I'll even say like to to go back to Lovecraft. The, the the Lovecraftiest moment in this is when he's describing when the narrator in House of Usher is describing the paintings that Lovecraft is that sorry <laughs> that, that that Roderick Usher is painting and he's like I'm not even gonna try to describe this stuff it's just so crazy that's the classic uh, Lovecraft uh, maneuver I was like, yeah, this, this, shit, this shit was bonkers, but I, I can't describe I it as how bonkers say. it was. <laughs> just so <laughs> But then what they get to is, you know, Roderick, what what uh, what we end up getting is just sort of abstraction. Like, it's not even like paintings of anything in particular. It's just a painting of a feeling, which is also so ahead of its time because this predates like Rothko or even like Whistler's paintings by... You know, by a good by a good number of years. I guess the description was kind of cool. It, it was a nice interplay between light and dark, and and how it was interacting. I guess, I guess what shadow play or whatever. Yeah, this was just sort of. Let me let me try to find the the quote again. Paintings over which his elaborate fancy brooded, and which grew touch by touch into vagueness, at which I shuddered the more thrillingly, because I shuddered knowing not why. From these paintings, vivid as their images now are before me, I would in vain endeavor to adduce more than a small portion which should lie within the compass of merely written words. 
By the utter simplicity, by the nakedness of his designs, he arrested an overawed attention. If ever a mortal painted an idea, the mortal was Roderick Usher. And then he just described it to, like, a mu to a musician. The only, like, concrete description that we get is in a very, like, House of Leaves thing, which we, we, we've got to revive that attempt, um, a hallway, a long, dark hallway with no clear source of light. No outlet was observed in any portion of its vast extent and no torch or artificial source of light was discernible. Yet a flood of intense rays rolled throughout and bathed the hole in a ghastly and inappropriate splendor. <laughs> That's so cool. And to your to your point, like it's cool. That, I mean, it's 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 a shame we only get a a, a paragraph of that because I would read that Edgar Allan Poe poem. Uh, <laughs> scary hallway. <laughs> it's crazy like that. Like, that obviously that that rings so much of of House of Leaves to me. Yeah, it does. It does. What a, what a, what a what a crazy discovery to like have a house within your house, right? Just the sort of like senseless logic of construction, just hallways and rooms. It's so neat. Like I'm sure there's there's been other haunted house stories, but like this is the the I I've actually I I never read this particular Poe story before. I I haven't either. But it's neat how much this story focuses on the houseness of it all. I don't know why a featureless empty hallway would be so scary. There's there's just there's something about it. Something about it, right? And like there's like, you know, obviously two hundred years before backroom stuff. <laughs> or even just House of Leaves. I mean they're 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 memes today for for the same reason that this was an effective short story. There's so much here. This is like a like a neat little I feel like I'm like discovering like a uh, like a fossil, the precursor to all of our modern horrors right here. Oh, it's for sure influential, without a doubt. Um, back to the story. Uh, we talked about the improvised poem. Anything there you wanna go into? I think that's the, what's next. We already talked about it a little bit. I'm already like yeah. Got... I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just it's visually sick and well done. I I. I I enjoy a good downfall narrative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got one like uh, a downfall within a downfall, which is really cool. Such a neat creative effect to place stories within your short story. Yeah, and I'll, to do I'll, it I'll twice. Really appreciate that. Yeah, because <laughs> he did he did a second time with Danga. Ethel Ethelred. Ethelred, the title of which was Dang, I had it up. <laughs> Mad, mad Trist of Sir Lancelot Canning. I, you know, I'll be honest. When I read that title, maybe you had a different experience. For a second, when I read the title, my, my, I died a little bit inside. Like, oh no, that sounds so boring. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, things are picking up. It's like, oh no, we're gonna read this. <laughs> but it, but it paid off. Like the actual content was really cool. <laughs> it, it is, it is a fictional book, though. Mm -hmm. So this one's made up. It was good though. It was it was well done. Yeah. Like the archetypal, you know, knight hero. Yeah. Coming dragon in, in in his in its in his keep. Also, There's another downfall story too. You, you know, like I'm, I'm sure the dragon with his hoard of gold thinks it's in its castle. And that happens like by force, like the knight coming in. There, it's almost like a like a crusader type story where it's like, oh, how good the knight is coming to these lands with this dragon. And Gosh. but in this case, every time the knight breaks in a little bit more, or you know, something happens, the sound gets like doubled up in real life, and the effect is the complete opposite. It's terror. Like, what's coming to this uh, to this place? It's like, whatever's next. So it gets experienced almost like from the dragon's point of view. Like, oh shit. The <laughs> Oh shit! The, the shoes dropping. I don't know. <laughs> the, the the crusaders coming. Yeah, and also there's another weird thing where like first it's like a hermit, and then he breaks down the door and turn, and then no hermit dragon. I don't know if that's how they used to do th things in these stories. <laughs> it wasn't a hermit. It was actually a dragon the entire time. That was kind of weird. It, I don't know. It worked on me, especially because like you need to you know you need to get move things along. 
it happens a lot in myths where you think something's one thing and then it's another. That one felt like so crazy of of a bait and switch. That's like if a kid is telling a story or if like you're describing a dream and it's like uh there's like the nice lady took your hand. No it wasn't. It was a monster. <laughs> it was a succubus the entire time. <laughs> well oh that that was a that was a turn of phrase and an incubus of fear woke him up. Oh yeah. I guess we're nearing the last parts here. Unless we have any more to talk about with, with the Sir Lancelot. I'm sorry if whoever's listening, this is your first exposure to the fall of the House of Usher. Just to like give the full the full breadth of the story. Um Madeline dies, they take her body to some crypt at the you know, under one of the turrets in, in the castle. They uh screw her lid her coffin closed. And after a few weeks, uh, after a few weeks during which uh, Roderick is very despondent and stuff, uh, the narrator wakes up in fear. There's a crazy thunderstorm, and Roderick Usher, like, shows up with that spark again, but like this weird kind of panic. It's like, do you see it? Do you see it? And he opens a window, and there's like a hurricane or like tornado, like these crazy winds happening, crazy storm. Like the throughout the outside of the window, there's a whirlwind. He says like he can't, you know, he can't see it, but somebody can see the effects of like the wind, like uh, clashing, and you can see he sees none of the no moon, no stars, just sort of the underside of these clouds and like a curious light. There's something about this whole scene gives him like some heebie-jeebies, and it's getting Roderick too too worked up. So he tries to, he's to close the window and he's like, here, let's just read this story. He pulls out this story. That's the Ethelred story. As he's reading it, uh, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. <laughs> as he's reading it, uh, the story of a knight who is, as we enter the story, he's breaking down the door of some hermit. And as this, and as we described, then it turned out to be a dragon. He smites the dragon. But like, as these things happen, uh, the sound that he imagines is a real sound that then he hears in real life. And, and he's not sure if Roderick is hearing it until the end. And... Until after the story in which Roderick, once approached very closely by the narrator, he does admit, oh yes, I've, I've, been, I've been hearing these sounds for days now. Oh. <laughs> and then it turns out that the sounds are like, in a it doesn't feel right to say unrelated. It feels like somehow like it's a sort of like feedback loop of panic and panic inducing realities. Um, so it doesn't feel right to say it's unrelated to the story because it lines up so perfectly. Um, but it turns out that the sounds are, it's almost like dream logic. Like the way, like when you think of something, suddenly it comes out at you. Um, yeah, it, it all, fits together yeah like this happens in a dream so often i can't think of any um actual examples but like i'll have a, i'm having a dream and i don't know i've got my i don't know whatever it's not i'm in an embarrassing or like a vulnerable situation then i think like oh i hope my dad doesn't see this suddenly my dad <laughs> walks into the dream <laughs> the dream police shows up <laughs> yeah that's never specifically happened uh but you know something like that. Uh, where like as soon as you like you, audiate an anxiety. I mean, maybe this is me. <laughs> so as I like, audiate an anxiety or something, or a hope, suddenly that's when it like comes into play. Like the sort of like not quite lucid, but um, thought provoked dreaming. Um, but it, it, it's it's it somehow it somehow fits. But anyways, in that same way. Uh, Roderick this, this like tells him like oh these sounds what they are is Madeline we buried her too soon she's actually alive and she's come you know she's breaking out of her out of her coffin. That so, that was that that was that was a what the fuck moment for me. Yeah, because <laughs> like why 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 would you wear out Roderick? Yeah, if you've been what hearing the... this for days, what's what your... <laughs> are you doing? But I guess like the hold that this castle had on him. He wasn't thinking straight. I don't know. It was all part of the design. Who knows? 
he was so sad that that the other last person in line for the house of usher was was dead but then it turns out he knew that she wasn't i, I don't know yeah this is where it, this is where just the the power of the imagery has to like carry you through where it becomes a re- like I wasn't saying dream logic before, but now I'm really liking this dream logic uh, um, uh, framing. That's the only way it stays together. Yeah. Like, it doesn't become relevant until, like, and he says, like, I didn't want to say it out loud. I didn't want to say it out loud, but it's not relevant until it's, like, made real by expression. Like, I feel like there's something there with the art stuff. I don't want to, I would go more into more detail, but I don't want to say it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Um... No, I, I guess to be fair to Roderick, I mean, why why didn't our narrator hear these sounds days ago? Right, like, you know, am I going crazy or whatever? But now suddenly, you know, in this point of high agitation, suddenly the narrator brings it up and he's like, oh, shit, well, now, now I can't escape. I don't know. Turns out I wasn't crazy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's saying that she's going to come by for revenge for their for a premature burial. She comes in. She's looking horrible. Covered with blood. Madman, I tell you that she now stands without the door. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was all all in caps. (laughs) Uh, That was so cool. Once that hits, like, also, you don't have time to think about it because it all happened so fast. That's true. Yeah, after that, the story really picks up his pace. So Malin dies again <laughs> on the spot. Th- this time it seems apparent that she's not coming back. There decides finally screw all this. <laughs> yeah. He runs out, and as as he escapes out, the weather and Rollins crack that the damage in the wall finally causes the house of usher not just the people of the house of usher but the actual mansion itself to collapse yeah it's so neat how like the crack is just like sort of detail it's like oh yeah some old castle cracked in the wall and it's like Whoa, that very crazy. same crack that tears through like that the whole thing back down the middle and what else too there was also like the the moon is blood red and shining through the crack yeah. What a freaking... I love a blood red moon. Yeah. And then the the the, the mansion. I'm really calling it a castle. It's a castle, right? It's got it's got turrets. If it, if it is turrets, it's a, it's a dang castle. <laughs> That's a castle to me. Um, then the castle. The House of Usher. The titular House of Usher uh, descends into the Tarn. The end, right? Yeah. What a story! Yeah, it, I yeah, this is really cool. It's it's cool that the actual castle collapses when assumably every other family member right residing within that castle dies right because like at that point like, like like it all comes together. It's so cool like how like the way that like we're talking about exterminator how like I was tempted to like take all the stories and all the elements and, like draw like red string between everything like it's so neat how like all these details come back even every like throwaway line so yeah like the house yeah. of usher refers to them and the family and it's one of the same and they all affect and they affect each other back and forth in this feedback loop never by mycelium and it's so weird how i don't know if capital w weird or i don't know just it feels like almost like romantic like when it falls it just disappears into the lake never to be seen again Cas- the uh, castlevania has is no longer with us yeah castlevania has that same effect when when <laughs> dracula the the master of that house dies at the end every time a, a belmont looks over a cliff and and the little castle falls apart like that's such a statement or i mean not a statement implies i'm like uh, like some kind of message i don't know but it's such a aesthetic thing for an entire castle to no longer to like disappear with its owner it's almost like a like a an aristocrat's narcissism to say like all that i've built will disappear with me but this is like a like a medieval memento mori yeah it it is i call it I call it like aristocratic narcissism or whatever I called it, but I guess you could also say it's like humility. Yeah, I, I guess if they take the reminder to heart, it becomes a, a piece for humility. 
because how you better let yourself, you know, better let people enjoy you now. I, yeah, I could go, I could go back and forth because, like, how much is it Memento Mori? Also, when it's not even clear when one of you dies. That's that's a scary thing to have happened back in the day too. Yeah, I know. Obviously, this was a great concern to Poe. Got a couple of premature burial stories. I guess it used to be more, way more common to the point that they would bury you with a with a bell. Yeah. And the type of thing also inspired Dracula stories. People in those European villages would, you know, come back to graveyards and Oh right, yeah, like put a stake through <laughs> Yeah, but also find the people blood covered and you know, their their nails are no longer remaining. Assuming oh. because they were trying to scratch so hard out uh, yeah. It's probably like a result of some decay or that. It's it's a terrifying prospect. No, so the one thing that was a result of decay is is uh blood coming out out of your mouth and that looking bloated as though you had just eaten i can see how that might look away yeah yeah it, it would look <laughs> sketch if you if you weren't uh aware of how decomposition works right and why would you be gross to look at like who like so it was pretty common back then to uh have to bury your your loved one your, yourself and whatnot and i don't i don't think uh that, that profession existed so strongly before i've been going for a while i think we covered Oh yeah, no, we we we've, <laughs> we've covered the story. <laughs> we we covered most aspects of the of the story for sure, and then and then some, and and other figures surrounding Poe and after Poe. All right, so I want to call it. Want to call it a night for this podcast? Wanna yeah, call... I'll I'll uh, hit the nail on the coffin, and and call it a pleasant evening. Yeah, well, then now we're gonna bury this podcast in the bottom of a deep dank tower. <laughs> And hope it doesn't come back. No, no. Only as content. Only as content. Listeners. All right, so I declare this evening pleasant. Yeah, I've been Roberto. This is Corbin. All right, uh, yeah, have a pleasant evening. Pleasant evening, listeners.